You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. Hey. It's Corey, and it's 2020, and I'm being forced to do this against my will. But uh, in you the literally here, just said you were going to do this. <laughs> Why are you fucking lying? I don't lie. Literally this didn't is, even let him finish yes. his first intro. He's a liar. Fucking liar. He's 2020. These this. motherfuckers, right? To, but you should have seen if, him. If anyone's wondering, that's Benny Goodman, who never gets introduced because no one ever has a chance to introduce him. But also on the line, we have Siobhan. Fuck you. You yeah. just obstructed everyone from hearing my name. It's okay. Everyone knows you more than us anyways. What's my name? <laughs> Siobhan and Cronin. Anyways, this week's episode, very cool. We're finally getting to an episode we recorded. It was one of the first ones we did, I think. We only referred uh, to it in like with, seven. Yeah. I yeah. know, so many times in other episodes. Yeah, so so this is the, the legendary uh, Adam Gilbert of Starset. Uh, Siobhan's bandmate. Yes, Adam Gilbert of Starset, also founder of Drum Abuse, my yep. dear friend, someone I was so excited to interview because he's just, you know, another like wealth of knowledge, just like constant stories, super funny. You know what? One of the funniest people I've ever met. The thing that sucks about him, though, because let's just talk about this, is that he doesn't perpetuate anything that I think about drummers. Like, he's actually smart. He's very artistic. He's an amazing artist. Yeah. He's very... Uh, understanding of business. He's you got well. Some, you got some pretty uh, like deep seated issues with drummers. He, he literally uh, like a well rounded, intelligent. He reads books. Person. He can recommend books yeah. like learnedly. And I, 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 that's not even a word, is it? But like that said, what the fuck? Why? Why are you like? Cha- I can't even make the punchline of like. But you're just a drummer. Welcome to Starset the band. We're all nerds. <laughs> so Adam just fits right in with the rest of us. We're all just reading books, trying to be good humans. You know. <laughs> He was a little yes. bit changing the stereotypes. He's a little bit stiff at first in this one, though. I feel like he like thought we were big you know brother what? or some shit. But imagine, imagine meeting you for the first time. I know how yeah. I felt the first time I meet you. I so met him before that. We sat on a bus doing fucking. There's one thing to sit rip. on a bus and, and and smoke a joint. Another thing to be smoke put on a, a joint. podcast. No, that guy tried to melt my mind. He and he's like, "Wow, that dude's still alive." <laughs> Anyways. Stay tuned. This is the first of two episodes with Adam Gilbert of Starset. Lots of cool tour stories. Lots of good, uh, you know, ed- you know, educational stuff. Books, he played in marching learning. band, kids. He played marching in marching band. band. Yeah, what? just a lot of great background story of what yeah. it is to become a drummer and life lessons. Our good friend, the drummer behind the thing that is Starset, Wisher Vaughn, Adam fucking Gilbert, motherfuckers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of 2020. It started off so exciting, you know what I mean? But then it's like one of those like, ah, ah, and then it's like, nah, just kidding. You owe me $150. Um, my name is Benny Goodman. And uh, over here is the uh, lovely Corey Peza. And over oh, here Corey first. Is, okay. is, um, <laughs> well, listen, the only reason that we're, we're even starting this one is because Siobhan was ready. She, she gave us the go ahead. She made sure her hair was all right. And that her fucking three-point light kit that she ordered from Amazon and Jeff Bezos um, was working great. Um, yeah, as you can see. Yeah, look at those fucking light boxes. Total. You don't want to see me at a different angle. That's all. But that's I have Siobhan Cronin over there looking all light boxed out, and I am so <laughs> pleased. I am so pleased to announce <laughs> that we've conned yet another uh, wonderful, super talented dude, Adam Gilbert. Who's a fucking fantastic drummer? Plays with Starset, but also he's gonna tell us all all kinds of shit from his opinions on toilet paper to um, you know <laughs> why 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 we were able to get him on this show. Um, without further ado, though, I'll start off with Siobhan. How was your week? 
pretty good, uh, pretty busy. So I went up and helped my mom. My mom does a radio show, like she's a medical journalist. So I Anne helped her Marie with that. Cronin, everybody. And Anne Marie Cronin. She was like, when are you going to mention that I'm on the radio? I'm like, this is not about you. But <laughs> no, but here's the thing is, Siobhan, what you don't realize is that it is about her. I know, everything's about her. This is her, an intervention. So, so Adam mom. wanted to let you know, Corey wanted to let you know that this is actually all about Anne Marie and that you should just start realizing that. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, so I went up and helped her with that. And then she decided to come with my sister down to Columbus. So I was with the Cronin clan in Columbus for a bit. We did a little Father's Day hang with Brock and his family. And uh, yeah, other than, what, don't, don't, no, it's not just Brock, it's Shabrock. Because people, yeah, well, speaking of Shabrock, I tried to call. in a band. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Does he know that, that it's now Shabrock? Because here's the thing is, it's not just Brock. It's Shabrock yes, because it, they're yes, combining like Devastator. <laughs> that's been like that's like a year ago man shabrock has been going strong for adam knew about it before you did probably <laughs> adam knew about it before i did <laughs> that's true uh but yeah so that, that's about it and then you know just the usual i'm doing we were talking about master classes so i'm doing this master class with a guy that's in la phil he's doing this like they call it the violympics but it's basically like a the little violympics i know it's like nerds convention but uh, I'm yeah, lying a little inside just listening to it. <laughs> so it's all, all the violin nerds from around the world that are doing like a like a group study of different pieces and stuff. So I was working on that. Well, I'm cool. so asleep right now. Adam, do you have something more intelligent? I don't want to say intelligent because everything she says is intelligent. Do you have something that's going to keep that. me alive? Like what's going on with you, bro? Like how is your hair so perfect? Uh, I mean, I just got a comb and looked in uh, the Zoom camera and Got lucky. I don't know. No, what we need to talk about is the beard because Adam's very passionate about about beard grooming, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I haven't. It's clear. I haven't been able to really dive much into my uh, my next venture with uh, my company's called Billy Jealousy. I'm working with because as soon as I got on board with them, we got off tour, and you know, with COVID, we need to wash our hands. We need to be whatever, looking out for each other. But for me, it's just a way to really center myself and. People ask questions all the time because I have a pretty extensive routine, but also I just want to take care of myself in a place that I don't, you know, in the middle of France. I just want to feel comfortable. And it's one thing I've found that really centers me. And uh, at the same time, if I have a cool beard and I get good products, I can give that to people like Brock. Oh, wait, Brock doesn't have a beard though. Um, <laughs> Brock's trying. <laughs> it's a sensitive <laughs> subject. <laughs> I, could, I could definitely use some. I don't, I don't have any sort of routine. I need, I need you to teach yeah. me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm revamping my website right now, drumabuse.com. We had an, an issue with a server needing switched. So in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and just redo the whole store. We're going to a different print shop and we're actually trying to get a little more user-friendly like this. I would love to start doing Hold on. So really explain to us, Adam, what the fuck drumabuse.com is because I heard something about a beard products. You're a drummer. Like I'm confused. I'm a guitar player. Spell it out for us. Yeah, yeah. Drum abuse really just represents just the creative outlet that I've always had, not just for drumming, just drum up an idea and abuse your creativity. That's how I've always been. Oh, uh, I've been I didn't doing... even know that was how it, what it really stood for, but that's great. Yeah. I, I really got lucky with being able to own a website like drumabuse.com being so specific of a name and, you know, mm -hmm. people are like drug abuse. I'm like, no, it's, it's not <laughs> cool if it makes you ask a question, but drum abuse really is just the, I want to, do things not always by the book. And at the same time, I don't do things because I think someone's always going to think it's cool. But my goal is to have a way to open people's minds. And if they do think something's cool, like a splatter paint or a beard product or uh, this, I make this tank top, you know, this isn't going to compete with Nike, but something I need on the road. And again, I'm going to feel comfortable promoting something. I know the quality. I know that it comes from a good place. And uh, especially with a lot of imbalance in a lot of different areas of the world. I'm just trying to be with my friends playing music and just have a comfortable life. I had no idea that you, you had stuff beyond kind of like, I saw the apparel before and, and some of the drum related stuff. But uh, I guess the most important question I have is like, what's your theory on uh, mustache trimming methods? <laughs> well, so I, I hate mustaches because yes, I just went I like Post Malone's mustache is like, you know, yeah. just like thing. I can't stand them, but without them, I look like Amish. It's like kind of weird. It's got like a, it's an Yoder Peza, right? Yoder Peza. Yoder Gilbert. Yeah. Yoder Cronin. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the whole thing of like trimming, actually Siobhan will remember the last time I really got a haircut, we were in Moscow and we didn't actually make it to Moscow because our show got canceled, but we had to fly in and stay a couple days. 
So I got a guy to cut my hair and beard and I've pretty much just been, my barber now is not cutting faces or hair. So I have to do hopefully get lucky in the mirror. And then, you know, of course, of course, if I can, if I can get my hair looking okay, like I didn't just get out of bed 10 minutes ago, then sweet. I got enough product in it. <laughs> do you think that there's um, some sort of weird like thing going on with all the guys in star set that you guys just wake up and your hair is just good? Yeah. I mean, I've taught them I mean, well. If, that, if that's without trying, if that's just how like you got up during the pandemic, like shit, dude, like I would hire you. I right. mean, I, I, the thing I don't understand is why does Dustin put you guys in spacesuits so you can't see how awesome your hair is? Maybe because I can really trim a mustache very well. I don't know. Like maybe it's a little. Do you think that he thinks that your mustache is like post Malone and that like even just a little bit of mustache to him is too much? Just a little bit, just too much. Yeah. Yeah. Dial it back. You know, you got that one. I call him what's up. So I'm like, hey, if you ever see a guy to what's up and that's a hair that's just like waving at everyone over him, like, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh. <laughs> that stands on the face. Yeah, hair is uh, it, it gets a lot of attention. I think from all the guys, probably well, more so than the girls. Especially on your lip, dude. If you if you have one hanging out like that, Siobhan, believe me, we'll all notice. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not Don't like a mole for that like, shit? right here on my cheek that has some hair that I got like an extra mustache up here, a moly mustache. Oh. oh my god! Well, as you get older, like I've noticed this because like I used to go in and I'd see like you know you, you walk in and you see like your grandfather and he's got like hair down to here and he's got hair up like on the sides of his eyes and like literally nowadays like I will pluck a hair like up here. And I'm like, how the fuck did that even happen, dude? I'm telling you, once you get like past 35, it starts to expand. So we're like Brock, yeah. like Brock will go through puberty one of these days and he'll start getting this. Like I'm to the point where it's actually <laughs> spreading like leprosy. Oh my God. Okay. So we've yes. covered hair. About, okay. So how about this? So since, since the audience doesn't know Adam, I mean, I know Adam really well and you guys obviously have met a few times, but why don't we talk, Adam, maybe like give people a little bit of an introduction. I want to talk more about drum abuse, but you know, maybe talk about how you got into music. Cause I mean, that's what interests me whenever I talk to people is like, how did you end up where you are? I have been playing with you know drumsticks drum pads breaking tupperware <laughs> pots and pans since i was about four or five i would go to my buddy sean's house down the road and my mom would walk down and be like hey so and so mom do you have my tupperware and she'd hand her just broken tupperware every other day so they realized that i, I needed to put my energy somewhere and uh, <laughs> when tupperware. i was about i want to say i was like nine i was in fourth grade or so i started taking drum lessons uh, at a place called Colonial Music in Hilliard where I could just walk. It was like five stores down next to my school. So I did that for three years, learning all the rudiments from flam, paradiddles, drag, flam cues, you name it. So by sixth grade, when everyone was just starting to get into band, I was already, you know, on the gold snare drum, already playing really, really awesome flams and being able to know how to do dynamics from triple P to triple F. And, and kids, it was a, w a weird time for me because – it wasn't that I didn't have friends, but you know, we all kind of go through our phases where we think we're loners. Then we think we're really popular. So at this time I thought I had a lot of friends, but people would make fun of me because they couldn't play the parts. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm sorry that you can't play it. I'm trying to help you learn. And I'm only in sixth grade already kind of getting kids throwing me under the bus just because I could do something a little bit better than them. Mm -hmm. And that really fueled <laughs> that like me just to keep it going. Abuse? I really just made sure I, I was always in school. I, I never left high school earlier than 6 p.m. because I was in drumline four years straight. So as I went through middle school and high school, always having great teachers pushing me. I mean, it was a requirement. If you want to play baseball, that's great. But do you need to try to throw a trumpet routine in there? Uh, if you're the number one trumpet player in the world, do you think you're going to be really getting somewhere if you just try to play Pony League baseball for a couple summer games here and there? Like, I got a focus to drive until I was the greatest that I could be and never stop and never stop. Yeah, when you were starting out, did you have a goal of like you wanted to be a professional or is this just something you were super passionate about? I think at first it turned into I better do something with music or else they're going to keep getting me in trouble for banging on my desk in class and, you know, playing <laughs> yeah. with pencils and, and stuff. So when they started me out like on a bell kit and a practice pad, that was the school starting me out. But I already had a snare drum and a ride cymbal. I was already basically equipped with the knowledge to go further than the, the tools that they were trying to start me out off in school, sure. like a bell kit. If you put someone in front of a drum set and tell them you want to be Motley, Motley crew. All right. You got to start on a bell kit. I swear to God, 11 out of 10 drummers would just quit right now, you know, cause they, they don't know that you really should be able to verse yourself. But Tommy Lee also was able to get to that point because he didn't stop. He kept working. He kept 
practicing his trade. He's not going to just go out and all of a sudden be a baseball player if he has 10 years playing the drums. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so for me, I already knew I had great people backing me and I had a chance to chase a dream. So once I got out of high school, I went to Ohio State, kind of had an issue trying to get in the school of music. I had really, really poor advisors where they told me, just wait, do your general education. And I waited, but they didn't tell me there was a wait list yeah. to get into the yeah. audition. So once I tried to audition, I was already going to be a, a three and a half year college student and then going into the school of music. So that went against me. And actually because of that, I started playing more music at like Newport music hall in Columbus and and Scully's and Al Rosa. And that's where I met Dustin from downplay at his days back then. I also met Brock and his old band live my last because we, you know, we were all, we call ourselves the local uh, super, super group. You know, we're the local Columbus super group, just forming our own, whatever networking marketing whatever you want to call it, but our own little anthills and really just trying to join forces to make it something that's much more impactful and you know i don't want to say the rest is history but i can't believe it's already been seven years and seven times to europe we, we have been to china japan australia all of canada i've driven in probably more countries that i don't remember that people have even not even been to state borders I have to say, you are the MVP of driving, like not to change the subject, but Adam is like, especially, I have so many hilarious memories, like especially in Germany of like when we would be in a sprinter van and Adam just like knows exactly where to go. And he's like, Don Shane, let me in, let's go. He's like, like, like in driving in the UK, terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Somehow he can do it. Like driving on the other side of the road, just like no problem, giant van, can't see anything. I could barely drive it at all. I was like, no. So were you like the de facto driver? I think you and Brock kind of got the the brunch of it mostly, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to actually say who's the oldest and who's the youngest, but um, <laughs> I am the youngest. And <laughs> I think that as a big brother standpoint, you have a pecking order. So, you know, it's kind of started early on. You're going to drive. We're not going to drive. But if we really need to, we'll drive. And then I'm totally cool with it because I got to see so many places. Uh, it, it really is not that fun to get on a bus at night and not see anything, but you do get a nice bed. Yeah. So there's obviously trade-offs. And like Siobhan mentioned, the sprinters, when we were in 2000, was it eight or 2019, we went and did like download UK, Nova Rock. We did uh, Rock and Ring, Rock and Park, two mm-hmm. we I think we played for 30,000 people side stage at like 3 p.m., so these shows are definitely bucket list. This is like, you know, these are dreams and we, we really do as much as we can to enjoy it in the moment. But um, you get back in that sprinter van and the air conditioning's barely hanging on. And, <laughs> and then you're like, all right, well, here we go on our own way down the road again. So it's like the 30,000 is so short lived that you better enjoy it then because you're a person right as soon as you get back off that stage, you know? And, and I think that drive after Nova Rock in Austria, we drove to Italy or vice versa, whatever, but 10 hours. And I didn't sleep from midnight to 10 a.m. Brock drove that night until about 2 a.m. And I got back up to drive another seven hours. So, hey, we're getting around the world and I don't really care how it happens as long as we can keep going. Yeah. That's awesome. Do we want to send Adam to a place closer to his internet connection so we can actually hear (laughs) everything that he says? Because as much as I I love, as much as I love having drummers like get cut off, um, in this case, I actually want to hear what he has to say. I, I heard him at the video. Okay, like, he had like rests rest at the bottom of his screen that I couldn't see. Better? I think yeah. so. I hope I, so. I can hear you. I'm not sure that yeah. I can see you so well. Now he's just frozen. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't I sure if I was get on another network. Oh, let it go. <laughs> I think it was fine. The audio was, for the most part, intact. That's what's really matters. Okay. Did you guys right. see Snoop Dogg's like singing his car, listening to "Let It Go"? Oh, I saw that. I saw someone no. post it. I didn't watch the whole thing, yeah. but I, I, I just want you guys Robot to now. Yeah, maybe you should go back there, Adam. I think, I think whatever <laughs> part of the world you're in, you know, like <laughs> fucking Baghdad or whatever, is probably just not working. I didn't know it was possible to have a worse internet connection than mine because, like, basically where Brock lives is like there's a monopoly on internet service and it's just shit, pure shit for internet service. And you don't have an option. It's yeah. the same in Miami. It's like they, it's like we only have this one option. But by the way, it's really bad. Of course, yeah. I, of course like, I tell him to go downstairs and he was, he's was better upstairs. Now he's just a frozen fucking creature. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just like his avid. <laughs> Let's see. Is that better, Adam? Can you hear me now? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay, good. 
Um, this is the world we live in now. This is how conversations will always I remember go. There'll, I always, to there'll wait always be for, someone with a frozen come face. On. <laughs> Do you guys remember, though, when you used to have to wait for tits and it'd be like, dit, dit. <laughs> Now I get mad if Adam's head freezes for like 0.3 seconds. I'm like, we can't do this interview. But I was like, back in the day, I was like, oh man, I almost see a nipple. Dude. It, was, it was way worse for the ass men. You had to wait longer. Oh my God. Oh, these are the things I can't relate to. Oh yeah, I know. Siobhan's been alive since you could just get tits like that. Okay. Like, I was born with a 28.8 modem. No, oh, by the way, I did grow up on dial-up internet with AOL Instant Messenger and all the same things. Yeah, no, that, first yeah. off, that was like, that was into it a little bit for me. Like AOL okay. Instant Messenger was like further, you know what I mean? Like age, sex, yeah. locate. Yeah, age, sex, location. Like I was already like in chat groups on Prodigy. You know what I mean? Like, and like I'm not 20, even talking yeah, about like Firestarter, bro. I'm talking like Prodigy.net. <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, so let's go back and like just fill in some of the gaps. So that, that was a, a great introduction. Um, I'm not curious because I don't think I've ever asked you this, Adam, but at what point did you get into playing in bands or forming your own band? Because that always interests me because as someone that went to school for music, you know, for me, I got it a little bit easy, I have to say, because being a violinist, you're kind of in demand if you're not going to go into classical music. So ending up in bands just kind of happened in a lot of ways, you know, but I feel like if you're on the other side, you play guitar, you play drums, you do kind of have to get, you start it yourself kind of earlier on than people like me, let's say. Well, I think anyone, <laughs> sorry, any, anyone. Just, just get the dog. <laughs> it's we'd, fine, rather, just we'd rather see the dog, dog anyway. <laughs> anyone who's going to get into music or, uh, you know, something where they're going to have to pretty much always put themselves where they, not where they want to be, but, you know, I got really lucky that I would always do shows with like Brock and Dustin and Ron and, and people just started respecting us because we would bring 200 people to a show at like Newport, which yeah, there's a thousand people that need to show up, but I just did 20% of Dustin's work, you know, or so-and-so's mm -hmm. work and really started proving myself by actually, I like to say being like, you know, Adam, Paul Revere Gilbert, I'm going out. I got a message. I'm going to go to the places that I know people want to hear it and will listen. But also nowadays it's like with star set, we're going all over where yeah, people want to hear us, but if you've already know the name, now you stand to learn so much with our message, with our comic books and whatever. Uh, so I do love that. But starting out, it was very much, hey, I'm, I'm in jazz band in seventh grade. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm definitely like seventh grade overweight. I, I very quiet. I had braces. And I was playing a double bass drum drum set at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I'm like, all right, I think this might be a way for me to go. And then eighth grade, I started a, a little band playing in some backyards with my buddy Josh, who became my singer for a long time. But anyways, uh, he kind of bowed out of a lot of things and just isn't really a person I see uh, wanting to be a part of anymore. And when I started my first band with him, it was actually called Poppycock. <laughs> and we did acoustic, and, like covers of like Green Day. We would do acoustic jam stuff and uh, Presence United States. We Corey, did, like, Corey wants to know though, did you do All By Myself by Green Day? Um, no, that one, I just sing and cry by myself every night. Uh, <laughs> at least, at least we have all that in common. Cause Corey did that. I, I know I certainly sing <laughs> that to myself and cried to sleep a lot of yeah, times. Poppycock was my first band. And then, um, it went to, uh, a band was, it was called Eclipsed and we pretty much just the singer just quit so we just changed the name you know that's kind of how a lot of bands change yeah. to just moon then, what's that <laughs> to just moon no i didn't think he changed the name to eclipse oh, it no, was, i know yeah. that's, that's the same if, you, if, if the singer oh. leaves then it's just moon <laughs> well then it's just clips you know just yeah. gotta take some letters out so then we did eclipse for a couple years actually uh thinking back on it now that was the first time i was ever on the radio I was in, I want to say, 10th grade, 9th or 10th grade, and we did this competition for 99.7 The Blitz here in Columbus, but it was a national contest called the Got Milk Mustache Tour. And because- I got this, dude. Got I Milk got Mustache. This. We had probably 200 or 300 people in a mall watching us play like three songs, and then the other band, you know, you could get people to vote and stuff, but we had more votes to win the contest in our city than anyone had in the whole country but 
you know, they played us on the radio. We got a couple things, but then, you know, it's such a short lived contest. It's just like, Oh, right. it was really yeah. cool to hear that song. But now what, where do you go from here? Right. And that's when started playing at Al Rosa Villa, uh, Newport music hall, Scully's the basement. We, we, my old band played a little bit out of state here, here and there, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, not very much touring, just weekend warrior stuff. And that imploded on itself right around the same time as Dustin was trying to do something new with his band and right at the same time as Brock was looking for something else. And that was, uh, I think that was actually March of 13. So when Dustin called me to star set society audition and, and then he changed it to the star set collective and then it became star set, which were part of the star set society. So, I mean, the whole evolution of this project is really cool because there's so many people involved with this new band that, it's it's as real as any band I would say that can call themselves electronic. I mean, from the strings like Siobhan and Z, Zizana, from Brock and I mean Brock and Ron both sing their asses off, and it's so funny to hear those notes sometimes go a little, ah, you know, you're like, oh yes, and and that's great, that's real. People say we lip sync, awesome. I'll take it as a compliment, you know, like fine. Times are so different, but also with music that we're doing, we're trying to make it seem as easy as it can go and as easy as it can sound, but we want to be this huge player in the world and we're nerds. We like to mm-hmm. literally sit around and just play Rocket League and talk about Violympics and be friendly <laughs> to anyone and everyone, learn languages, read books. You know, I, I force books on people because I'm like, this is a good one, try it. And they're like, you read books? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I do have to say, yeah, I I appreciate that. Like, I obviously I didn't know what I was getting into, but it it is like really interesting to find a band that's just all nerds that are people that do want to learn. And my question is, is if you leave the the Star Set Society, can you get Cobra and still maintain your health insurance without (laughs) having to change your plan? Um, Since when do we get health insurance? (laughs) I I definitely, I have health insurance. It just doesn't do anything for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not on birth control anymore. So. Um, yeah, it's, and that's interesting because we travel so much, but Siobhan, I mean, when's the last time you've been sick on tour? Like really like, Oh my God, I need to go and and hospital or something. Okay. Not hospital. I don't think I've ever gotten to that No, but you know what? It's, this is funny that you bring this up though. Cause I feel like I I work so hard on trying to be healthy. Like I eat super healthy. I exercise. Adam knows I'm always going in to like do my workout. And I got like really sick on this last Europe tour. And I, when I came back, I was like, I definitely had COVID. Because, you know, they were starting to do the test and I was like totally sure that I got it because I had a really bad flu. Like when we were in uh, like Denmark and Sweden and all those places, I was like so sick. I almost could not get on stage. I mean, I did, but you know, yeah. no, but I really like. That. So but, that's, well, that's a testament to how of a serious musician you are and how much first off Dustin kicks your ass um, <laughs> because he, obviously you can't miss not going on stage. Even if you're if you're suffering from COVID-19 doesn't matter if you're in Denmark or in Russia. You get on stage, you play the fucking string part, Siobhan. No, I just remember, oh my God, so many funny things. I just remember like being so <laughs> sick and I would look over at one of our, our stage techs that were on like my side of the stage just being like, can you bring me water? Like I can't <laughs> breathe. I was like wanting to cough. One time, oh my God, this has nothing to do with being sick, but we were talking about funny onstage stories the other day. And like when I go over to play keyboards, I like put my violin on this thing. Speaking of trying <laughs> to get stage tech attention. Do you remember this, Adam? Yeah. Uh, our girl, Nick, who works on my side of the stage, she's supposed to like put a little place for my violin so I can set it down like quickly because we're in the dark and I'm wearing basically sunglasses it's even worse for you guys because you're like all strapped up in these things but like somehow my bow like fell off the little like bow stand and I'm like three blind mice after I play piano I'm like crawling on the floor (laughs) trying to find my bow to get back to play and I'm like trying to wave down the stage check being like help help me and Adam's just like watching me crawl on the floor I specifically remember that Ron kicked it Oh and, yeah, that's what it was. And you hang your bow on the side of it, so it it just falls off easily. But I think the best part, I was actually, I was holding my stick out, pointing down to it for you. <laughs> you you were so blind because they aren't like sunglasses; they are Demobasa sunglasses. They are straight up black sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a Nine Inch Nails video, where it's like, yeah, it, it literally, yes, they're steampunk. Yeah, yeah Siobhan yeah. also wears a hood. So Siobhan's hood's like at this point kind of right no here. She's always trying to adjust it. And you know, You'll you know be when fine you're really in Sahara. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know when you're like really blinded and you're looking at something, but it's right here, and you got to look like up here to let your eyes kind of yeah. focus around. <laughs> Siobhan was looking straight ahead, 
feeling around. <laughs> just had no idea because she was, I'm sure the lights were blind. She was staring into a light playing the piano. I mean, it's everything's against us on that. So stage. Adam, Adam, the drummer always has kind of the best seat in the house as far as like seeing what's going on on stage. Are there any other like moments that you caught that maybe no one else noticed or anything like that? Did well, Dustin shit his pants? He's ripped his pants plenty of times, and he, he <laughs> invisibly poops them. It just smells. And you're like, I got a mask on, lift it up. And... <laughs> you definitely see all the best stuff, but your retelling of the stories is what's what's pure gold. I have to hear this. Wait, what? Yeah, you need to so tell he, something. He it's ripped funny. his pants multiple times. I don't know if this is before you or not, but this one time he ripped them. He was going down into like. <laughs> You know, his leg was up on the riser and he was going down to scream a note. And this photographer chick was right on his on his crotch. <laughs> and it was like, this isn't even a sewable pair of pants anymore. And just boom, right there. You know, and he's like, lucky he wore some shorts that day that were clean or any at all. Uh, and then, oh, this recently happened, Siobhan. Dustin goes out into the crowd and it was Russia. Or I want to say, not Russia, it wasn't Russia. Right towards the end. So what was that crazy crowd where they picked him up and basically forced him to crowd surf? Oh, wasn't it like Amsterdam or something? It was like right before we Maybe. left to go. Yeah, It, it might have been Amsterdam. These people straight up, here's Dustin because he gets off at the end of the song in My Demons and like sings in the crowd and runs around and jumps on stage. These dudes and chicks were so into it. They picked him up. So all of a sudden it was like, here goes Dustin, crowd. <laughs> Whoop. He's dusting up, oh, and he's floating to the back of the venue, and he's trying to sing, looking back, grabbing for something, and, nope, you're out of here, bud. Who, who was that, the crowd surfed out of the venue at Rock on the Range? Oh, gosh, you? I don't know. That's Someone crowd surfed awesome. off the stage all the way out of Rock on the Range. <laughs> so you know what normally happens to me, Adam, is I'll jump out into the crowd, and they all just move, and I just, like, fall. <laughs> there's nobody at my shows. It's like my mom can't, she's like 60 something. She can't hold me up anymore. She can't do it. <laughs> You're like, Wait, Adam. The playing Beethoven. What's that? No, this reminds me of the, the story you have to tell, which made me and Mariko die when you told it was when, when you were, when you went to the club in Berlin, I don't know if you can retell it the same way you did oh, the man. first time. Yeah. This was, so, yeah. this was before my time, but I cried laughing when you told this probably, story. Yeah. It probably won't go over as well, but um, way back our very first time Wait, ever. Set it up, guys. <laughs> Sorry. What? What? Oh, okay, no, this is the best story you've ever heard. All right. Fuck <laughs> yeah. All right. So four score, seven beers ago. Um, <laughs> no, so we're in Berlin, this little tiny Berlin hostel thing. And we're there for like three or four days. And a couple days in, I'm sitting out front, and uh, I was enjoying the view on the street. And these two girls roll up in a taxi, and it was—I mean, it was like 7 p.m., so it was nice out, but the, it was a little bit darker. And these girls roll up in this taxi, and they get out, and there's a—and they're clearly like Irish or Scottish or something. And uh, they have a really thick accent, and this guy is in the car with them, trying to get out to come into the hostel with them. And here they—I I basically kind of pushed him back a little bit. Like, you are you know, don't bother him. You're, you're not even staying here. Just keep on moving. So they told me they just let him get in the car to help him out to give him a ride to the next place. And here he's trying to get out of the car. So anyways, so we're, we're kind of talking a little bit. We don't see him for the next day or so. And that night we go into this little bar and I spot these two girls again in the hostel. But this one chick is in a bright pink Sia wig. You know, it's like flat all the way around. And then this other girl's in a bright blue Sia wig. And they're in like white tight dresses and weird, like really, you know, club looking clothes. And I'm like, okay, well, I know who they are. Should I go and talk to them? Welcome <laughs> they... to Berlin, my friend. <laughs> yeah. And they're not even German. That was the better, funnier part. So I went over and they remember who I was. And uh, they're, they said they're going to go out to this club. I'm like, well, I'm here chilling. Can I go along? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Come along. <laughs> and we get in a taxi and they failed to mention that the club we were going to has one of the most famous German bouncers. He's like this six foot eight, six foot seven, giant dude, 300 pounds. And he's got, you know, 18 earrings on his ears, tattoos on his face and his head. And he just stands there like this all day. <laughs> and we walk up to the club in this middle of this industrial plaza. It's midnight now, you know, it's pitch black. There is nobody but this one club, people in line, and there's a line of taxis. And they're just broken down buildings everywhere. So. I'm starting to regret this decision of getting in a taxi. <laughs> I'm the second guy that got into a taxi in the second night in a row. Uh, and we get to this club. We, we're like 10 back. We wait five, 10 minutes, get up to the front. And this guy goes, you cannot come in. 
what? And then his other littler buddy comes around from behind who's like six foot six, about 290. And he's like, you cannot come in. You're Americans. We're like, mm, well, I mean, okay, yeah, they're not American. I am. And she's like, we're going to come in this club. He's like, you're not coming. And he just shoves her as hard as he can. The girl in the pink wig, who was the one that was like, I don't know, the, the one who was really trying to go ham. She was the one who got shoved. And I was like, peace, guys. I'm not going to for y'all. Like, this is not happening tonight. Got back in the same taxi we came in and went straight back to the hostel. And that's why you don't ever leave in taxi in any other country. Because- and that's how Adam <laughs> lost his kidneys in yes. Berlin. <laughs> I only have one, so yeah. It was just a giant ruse. That when they went back in the taxis, that's when they took his kidneys. And they're like, just kidding. We didn't want you to come out with us. That's, you're right. I didn't need those kidneys. I probably drank them. Well, no, kidney. <laughs> you don't need the kidney. Kidneys you need. One you can live without. You know, I actually only have one kidney. Is that you know true? That? What? You're lying. Really? No. It's genetic. What? You have a, what? <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. So renal glands, just like you know, like I have lazy eye as well. My left eye is very, very weak. That was so a segue. I'm probably gonna be legally blind in a couple of years, but um, it's like very fuzzy. And so when one eye works more than the other, they get imbalanced. Well, this eye is great. I can see miles. This eye is just blurry. So over my years of not knowing I had that condition or taking any medications or anything like that, you know, because us rock and rollers with our insurance. Right. Um, <laughs> it just, I just got to kind of monitor it. I really don't feel anything different, you know, but I was in a car accident in 2012 and found out when I bruised my ribs on the right, that that was the only functioning kidney. And I have another one there. It's just oh. smaller and not as wow. operation. I didn't, I don't think I knew, maybe you did tell me that, but I just didn't remember that. How fucked up would it be if that girl tried taking your kidney and they only got one? They took out the and they shitty got the one. shitty one. <laughs> and they're <laughs> like, not only is he like, like type type B, like whatever shitty type of blood he is, but it doesn't even fucking work. It wasn't even worth the ice. I want typo negative. That's that's a cool oh, band. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Peter Steele. That guy was for real, dude. He was tall, mm-hmm. too. He was six foot seven. He could have been that guy in Russia standing by the door being like, nah, bro. Germany. What year? Whatever. What year did What year did Peter Steele pass away? I think 2010 or 11, 12. You know that Star Set started in 2013. So I mean, if he was a ghost of the German clubs past, can I, can I tell you? God. Can I tell you in another in another lifetime? I actually interviewed Peter Steele, and I actually got to witness the whole backstage area of typo negative. And I will tell you that that was a learning experience because first off, that man used to drink. Um, multiple bottles of wine on stage. So it was the first time, um, and we have Jason Costa from All That Remains coming oh, yeah. uh, on the show, oh, who drinks a lot of alcohol. Life. But the first, yeah, I know, you, he's, he's one of those guys that like, my, my liver hurts just mentioning his name. <laughs> but like, Peter Steele, albeit 6'7", or whatever the fuck he was, would drink like four bottles of wine during a show. And I just remember him like, just drinking, 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 and just thinking to myself, how... Does he fucking do it? Sounds and, like the worst hangover ever. Well, not, but not even just that. Like the band got better. They really <laughs> did. And I, I gotta tell you, man, uh, typo negative. It's funny because when I, I, I have so many experiences when I interviewed bands and I was underprepared because I was an idiot. I remember interviewing them and they had just come out with the song, My Girlfriend's Girlfriend, which um, if you listen to it, um, as they told me, they said, hey, so what's your favorite typo negative song? Uh, song uh, young, young Child. I was like 16 or something like that. I said, my girlfriend's girlfriend, thinking I was like into the deep catalog. And they're like, oh, yeah, the four minute radio single <laughs> that sounds nothing at all like our band. Oh, no. Cool. That's awesome, kid. Great. And like, you know, and if anyone knows typo negative, which because there's probably people listening that don't even know typo negative, they write like 15 minute songs like, you know, like right. everybody I love is dead. You know what I mean? Like uh, a Christian woman and, like, and they're all about they are the ultimate emo band. In fact, I remember getting a press release from them and it said that they are the first band to ever to have been officially endorsed by Prozac in their in their <laughs> bio. I mean, I don't think they were endorsed by Prozac, but it was a funny thing. That they got it, I'm sure. I was going to say, I can't believe Prozac Steel, is out endorsing well, people. Peter Steele was high as a kite on cocaine, probably talking to his PR person. Just put it in there. Yeah. I mean, if you if you knew before he died, he actually thought that there were people living in his light sockets. 
I don't know if you knew that. Oh. That's what happens when you overstimulate your nervous system with cocaine. I mean, he was a really tall guy. Maybe there were really short people living in his sockets. I don't know. You know, maybe. <laughs> I, I want to give a plug real quick for Star Set. We did a cover song of yeah. a typo negative uh, jammer. You know what? You know what it is, Denny? You don't remember hearing it? You never looked up our version of typo negative. Dude, do you know how little that I know about Star That didn't get promoted a lot. No, but that I, was on like a lot. I one of our know side. I was a real band until Siobhan gave me and Corey tickets, and we showed up. And we're like, "Wow, they actually had a real venue. This is cool." <laughs> oh wow, look at this is the House of Blues. Even, no, listen, really I didn't weird. know that Ollie Herbert was even like a, a good venue. guitar player until he showed up at my studio. <laughs> and my other friends were like, "Dude, he's pretty good. Like he's famous." I'm like, "Really?" Like I, I, I'm telling you, I live. Don't judge anything by what I, I've seen or done. <laughs> What song did you cover, Adam? Tell us. Love you to death. Oh, that's a good one. And we didn't do the eight version minute. We did the like three and a half minute version. So we yeah. definitely cut it down. I'm sure Josh Silver it. would be proud of you. That's, he's I'm the one sure. actually that said that to me. It wasn't Peter Steele. It was Josh Silver that made the snarky comment, the keyboard player. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, of course you would like the corporate song, kid. You know, that's the song that you like. To each her zone, you know. Yeah, little did he know, like, wouldn't you be happy that you like the corporate song? Corey and I would be so happy to have one corporate song right about sure. me. <laughs> I, tell me about it. Hey, by the way, I, I am a drummer, so whenever you want to experiment with some jammers, let me know. Hey, listen, man, yeah. we've been saying this, and people keep asking us, you know, do we want to tour? And the answer is yes, we'd like to tour. Um, and we're, we're hoping that maybe we can convince Dustin, like clubbing him like a seal, like to let us use your, like your, all of your lasers and lights and stuff. And then maybe we could steal his band. Him. We just need to borrow him for like Oh, 20. we're already stealing Siobhan. So maybe we could just steal you too. Then we don't even have to like set up the drum set, but we can have your bigger drum set behind it. Cause he needs to know that there's a riser so that when we get off stage, at least there's a bigger show for star set, but then you can just move from one drum kit to the other drum kit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the point is, no, is that, no. yes, if you wanted to play for Lost Symphony, I think I think I speak for Corey and myself, or at least myself, um, that I, I'd love for you to come play with us because Paul, our drummer, is scared of the outside world. He's like, I don't even think I can play these parts. I, I talk to him every day. He's like, I don't even remember what I played. And when he listens to it, he goes, "Does that was that me? <laughs> He really, I mean, I'm so serious. Funny. And, and the fact is we just did a song with Marty Friedman and, and we had a part and I said, you know what? I think we have this perfect drum beat. And we actually stole a, a, a part from another song that was at the same BPM. And Paul listened to it back and goes, who played drums? That sounded pretty good. I'm like, you, you in another song. He goes, really? It sounded like it went with it. I'm like, yeah, I know. Corey's a genius. Well, the thing is these songs are, are, are bits and pieces recorded over the past, you know, five, six years. So I, right. I, I mean, I, I don't even remember some of the guitar parts. There was there was songs that I didn't remember that I played guitar on. I thought it was like, you know, either Kelly or, or you. Yeah, or same someone. with me. Once I play it, it like gets out of my brain. I'm like, wait, is that me playing yeah. something? I, yeah, it's so weird. It's been so long. Yeah, no, Paul, yeah. wouldn't, Paul wouldn't want to learn his parts. He'd probably have a harder time <laughs> learning his parts than you would just transcribing his parts and learning them. That's a good time to, to maybe get a message from our sponsor, I guess. Yeah, wait. I have something today, but it's it's far away. It's up there. Do you see my Lost there. Symphony oh, record? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so yes, we are brought to you by Lost Symphony. For I Lost also Symphony. like to say, even though they haven't technically officially endorsed us yet, I like to say that Coca Cola makes a delicious product, uh, and that if they would like to endorse us or and or Pepsi, um, this could be a seven up very easily. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're whores, whatever, whatever competitor you're on. I'm short on potential sponsors today. I poured my drink into a glass so it looked less, you know, <laughs> conspicuous. How about this is my, my Dewar's, Dewar's white label? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no, you got to. Adam's all about the cookie butter. Is that cookie butter? This is no. Okay, oh. If right. there you is that, you in your hair, no. <laughs> if there, if there, all shined. I'm at the point where if we're in any city and I go to the grocery store and I see speculoos cookie butter of any sort, even like in the jar, in ice cream, and anything, I buy it and just what give is it to Adam. Butter? Cookie it's butter. the most okay. So you know, like the Biscoff cookies that you get, like on on Delta flights or whatever. That what what I don't know what like the flavor it is. Yeah, no, the it's like the little. Yeah, Stop. I don't know what the flavor is, but it's like Stop. a very specific flavor. It's basically like peanut butter made out of that flavor. And they have them at milkshakes at like, you know, Arby's, Steak and Shake, whatever. They'll come out with. <laughs> it like tastes like a cookie, but in like a Speculous. peanut butter form. Yeah. And like Crater Joe's sells Speculoos. It's the flavor is more of like a. It's a lot more sweet than like peanut butter is just, you know, it's real thick and gooey. This is more of a, I don't know, like a graham crackery 
graham crackery kind of yeah that's what it tastes like speaking of like kind of snacks and different foods when you guys are you know traveling on tour are there any like uh regions or areas that have something that you wish you could get here good question definitely not mcdonald's you guys are like (laughs) we love hardy so much it sucks they don't have it in boston no but mcdonald's mcdonald's is literally like even for me and i like hate fast food i'm foreseeing mcdonald's on an almost daily basis in europe and russia because by the time we get out everything is closed right like mcdonald's is literally and if you're a vegetarian it's even worse like now they have things like the impossible burger or whatever but yeah i mean Mm. so much mcdonald's i don't know i mean thankfully eating that impossible burger you don't have to worry about gynecomastia I don't even want yeah, to Yeah, that's true. Spell it. Go. <laughs> uh, so real quick to, to back up Siobhan's point at McDonald's, but also to give myself a little bit of credit. McDonald's, it's it's not like a, yeah, we love it, but if your body is, is going to all Isn't of a sudden- Isn't that exactly start, what it is? Isn't it, yeah, we love it from McDonald's? Isn't it like trademarked? Exactly. At 2 a.m. I'm you know exactly it. why you're no, but Adam was really good. Adam didn't eat like any McDonald's. I don't know how you I did it. I didn't eat it until Moscow. Yeah. So I went six weeks with no McDonald's. And some people went three times a day at McDonald's. I would rather just not eat. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I would say Italian food is definitely my favorite. But like so often when we're on tour, yeah, you don't even get to get those things because you're just getting what's convenient. Right. Um, But real like authentic Italian food from like a real Italian city is the bomb. Yeah. When you guys get like a day off in a spot, what's been the best, I guess, mini break from the, the touring rigors that you know where you've been able to do maybe not touristy stuff but something at least culturally in that area uh, i mean prague you know the churches there's always there's always churches and architecture to be seen so mm. there's i this last tour i was a little more on the i'm gonna chill on the bus side did you guys um, go to that bone church made of all the bones you know what i'm talking we've about not been to the catacombs the catacombs, I, do, I, went catacombs. To, I think it's yeah i went to the catacombs but no, no i don't think so where is that it's in check. We tried to go, but it would have been a two and a half hour sprinter drive for a 45 minute oh venture God. because it was no roads to get there. Like where we were at was on the other side of Adam, some I thought you would drive anywhere for a good bone. <laughs> Dang. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> back to that. Shoot, I, tried, I, tried. I was going to yes. say I had three other space guys in the van with me, so it was okay. Space but, uh, oh my guys. God. Oh my no, God. I mean, I, I try like whenever there's a, I mean, the, the thing with touring, especially like in the US, let's say, and we're on a bus, a lot of times the day's off, it's like, we're going to end up in a Walmart parking lot because, and you know, you we're in a Walmart parking lot. in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> so, so many times it's like, oh yeah, we're play we're going to play a show in this great city. And then the next day we're going to be like somewhere in the middle of like outside of Fresno in California in a Walmart yeah. parking lot, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. Most recently, the thing that comes to mind is I one day uh, Ron and Brock and I went to see the Redwoods, but we, we literally, it was not convenient at all. Like we had to like get off the bus, get a, a like a rental car from some airport. It was like a huge schlep yeah. to do it. So it was, it was not easy, but. Uh, not yeah, that I mean, you're Europe, a diva or anything. No, no, but you're, to see a tree. <laughs> Europe's a little easier because there's a lot of public transit. So, you know, in a lot of the cities, you know, there's always something to see. American cities. Yeah. If you're in the big cities, maybe, but. A lot of times on the days off, we're not. Well, so. isn't there a lot of things to see in Circleville? I mean, with Shabrock and all the things that go on there, like with all the things he's building, like isn't he building a new town and like a like a, a car plant there and <laughs> like milking the cows? And you guys, gonna, it, actually, gonna I was going to ask you, if you have a super group in Ohio, you call yourselves like the cow tippers? What? <laughs> well, I'm not an Ohio I mean, native, so this uh, maybe I'll let no, I was, Ohio asking, I was asking them because you, you're not part of the, the super group in Ohio. I was asking Mr. Gilbert. The cow tippers. You know, we did play a surges at the Buffalo Chip. So, I mean, yeah, cow tippers, I could see torn out from here. Sure, yeah. Represent the corn stalks and the soybeans. Oh, my God, Adam. We heard Brock and I were at a furniture store the other day, and we heard a man that actually speaks like that. And I really wish that I could have pulled out my phone. <laughs> like, we're in some background. You guys are telling personal jokes that no, no none of our Adam, listeners have any fucking Adam, idea about. A- no, Adam is the best at doing impressions. So when I asked him to tell his story about the Berlin nightclub, he left out like a whole bunch of details that were all like theatrics regarding like what was going on, on in the club. Man. No, but I have to preface this by saying that we were probably three or four drinks in after playing like download or something <laughs> well, when he told us. An that. excuse for pays. I look at him drinking like a fucking fish right about now. Yeah, but now. we need, we would have needed to pregame this. So I mean, starting drinking at the beginning of the show makes it a little hard to be ready. All right, next time we'll do shots things. before we start rolling. Well, well listen, listen, we, we sometimes do back to back shows. So, like, you'll know that during that 10 minutes, you have some time to pregame. Yeah. yeah all right. 
<laughs> no, well, but that was really eating Gilbert but, Grape. No, but the point is, Adam's really good at doing like funny impressions. So he'll do this like it's not even an accent. It's just like that's what it is. Do it again. Say a sentence with it. Hey guys, let's take out the pants, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert, <laughs> is it the guy from fucking Family Guy? I don't even know, but it's just it's like the creepy old guy from Family Guy. Actually, <laughs> if you guys ever come on a tour with us, believe me. You will be laughing the whole time, and at the end of the tour, you're like, "Dang, what was that one joke?" You know, yeah. like we're just yeah. nonstop. That, like that actually brings up a can. good point, uh, Adam. You know, as someone who's toured extensively, what's how important is the atmosphere on the bus and, and the the relationship between the members? And is there anything that you actively consider, or you have to? Are you allowed to look I, at Dustin on <laughs> like, on the bus when you're not on stage? No, but like, do you do you guys? kind of consider that dynamic or is it just a natural fit right off the bat? I mean, I would say any, any place of work, you're never going to have a hundred percent natural anything. Yeah. And especially with as driven as, as people like Dustin and Ron are, um, it can be a little, a little overcoming or overwhelming sometimes to try to overcome some of the emotions that are felt like in a rehearsal or if maybe something's going wrong. You can be in the middle of an emotional conversation where you might feel like, Oh man, that was me. Why do you have to say, or, you know, people are always going to be like that, especially when you live on a bus yeah. for six months or six weeks, whatever, six months out of a year even. So um, I guess I would say the only thing to really combat that was Dustin and Ron have their own bus. And the other 12 of us are on another bus. Would you say that they're like the Axel Rose and Duff McKagan of, um, um, of Star Set? No, no alcohol addiction. They don't, you know, they're always, they're always thinking the best of the group. You know, they're always trying to put our best foot forward. We really do being all so much learning. I know. Well, I toured with Doug McKagan right before Star Set. Um, it was called Uproar Festival. This is another, I forgot about this. The whole, the whole reason I was even able to, to tour in the first place was this band that I brought from Virginia to Columbus to open. And they won this battle of the bands for Ernie Ball. I had no idea their music. I just was being a buddy, just helping someone out because hopefully maybe I can tour to Virginia, you know, and I get this call in June. I just started a little side project. Dustin called me that March, hadn't heard from him for four months. I'm like, all right, I'm not waiting around for Dustin. I'm just going to start something up. So this guy calls me, Ryan, and he goes, hey, man, I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but we just won this contest and we need a drummer. Do you want to go on tour? And I'm thinking, all right, so we're going to go to Kentucky. We're going to go to Pittsburgh. All right, what's this tour? What's called the Uproar Tour, and I had never heard of this. It's sponsored by Rockstar. It was 36 days, 30 shows, 30 or 28 states, opening nice. for Alice in Chains, Jane's Addiction, Coheed and Cambria, Circus Survive. Sick. Other festivals included Event Sevenfold, Hailstorm, In This Moment, Corn. So here I'm like, yeah, I'll go. I'll go, sweet. <laughs> I'm go. And, you know, we were a parking lot band, but – 4 p.m. parking lot band at a festival started at noon. Like you couldn't pay for a slot like that on like a warp tour. And we went all over the country. I still have friends today. My friend Katie I met is within this moment. Uh, she's their tour manager. She was with uh, GoPro and with the festival. So putting cameras all over people. I uh, made really good friends with people at like PBR. There was an awesome catering company. And the, the whole thing about that tour that really, it gave me such a unique like push in life was because Dustin called me on August 7th. The tour started August 9th. And he, he called me to ask me to come over on that Friday to audition for Star Set after four or five months of no calls. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I just got this chance. I'm going around the country. I, dude, if I don't do this, I'll never know what it'd be like. But also, you're starting a band that I really want to be a part of. Can I audition when I get back? So I'm out on tour running in New Mexico learning like Halo and learning <laughs> Carnivore in Seattle. So I, my memories of the music are like no one else's because I'm sitting here in a band with Alice in Chains like, dude, I'm about to like start touring a lot. This could be really cool. We did one two-week tour right when we got back from that, you know, the end of that band. Uh, we did one two-week Star Set tour December 1st of 2013, and we were off for four months. I'm like, dang it. You know, I, I hear I thought something was going to kick in. And that April of 2014, we got a record deal, and then we never stopped. That's great, man. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Things that's just, really it's cool. definitely a whirlwind, but now it's seven I, years later. That's now that's, that's a, such a cool story to hear. I mean, I, I, from my perspective, just in terms of the dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I think we're definitely like, 
it's it's an interesting spread of people, you know, and Dustin and Ron are very, in a lot of ways, business oriented. And I think, you know, intellectually, they're dealing with a lot of strategy things on every given day that we're not necessarily dealing with, you know, but in terms of when we let loose, I think we all have a really great time. I, I have to say of like, every tour has been super enjoyable. You know, and we being like on the bus and way too much Borat movies. Oh my oh, god! Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun moments. Yeah, I think I think that that's just an interesting dynamic that probably most people don't uh, even think about is that you are you know this kind of mandatory family, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, and you have to survive that time together. Otherwise, yep. there's really there is no otherwise. It's well, just, let me it let me ask you this: so when Dustin gets on your nerves, does he become any less dreamy looking? <laughs> We all pretty much wake up awesome, so I don't know. Because, you know? <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, when, when I've, like, dated, you know, people in the past, like, when they're really cool people, like, they become better looking to me. But when they're ugly and inside or they or they hurt my feelings, they, they become harder to look at. So, like, here's I feel like. Here, real fast. You guys can see it. Can you see that? Yes. Oh, I just saw this the other day. <laughs> That's Dustin. And someone made him into a chick. Oh, <laughs> my. And this is the next. This is the next text. <laughs> that, that was so on point. Oh my god! No, but but I'd like to add on to that. What's what's really and this is not related to Dustin at all, but just as a general principle, it's so funny. It said I'd fuck me. <laughs> as but as a general observation, it's really funny because you know when you get into a band that like let's say you get some level of attention, you've always got these fans like you know girls or whatever. They're like, oh my god, I'm like he's so dreamy, and I'm like so in love with him. And it, it's so funny because they have absolutely. You tell him that he has bad no, breath. No, it's not that, but it's like it's it's funny to like take their reactions to a person, knowing that they have no idea what this person's actually like in real life. You know, and I always wonder. It's like, how would you feel if you actually knew this person's personality? Not that it's better or worse, but it's it's so funny the concept of like being in love with someone or like being obsessed with like a public figure when you don't actually know what they're like yeah, just on a daily say, basis. D- don't meet your heroes. That's a, that's well, let me, a common well, let me ask you a and, and there's a good reason for it. Siobhan, because I have to ask, Adam could probably speak to this too as well. Everyone that knows you knows that you love owls. So let me ask you this. if you Do you love all owls not even knowing their personalities? Yes, absolutely. Or, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, personalities. You did a good one there. <laughs> yeah, so I feel I feel like that that what you, your logic doesn't hold true because I know that there's not an owl you haven't you haven't loved and I'll tell you about my personal experience the first time holding an owl it shit on me they literally like <laughs> hey you want to hold the owl and then it just like got it was a giant owl and then within like five seconds it just shit all over my arm but at least you know it's never gonna talk back to you so I mean yeah. <laughs> see. I don't know. I was talking the other night with my friend about ayahuasca, and the fact is, owls can talk back to you, man. Maybe they can. <laughs> I, I guess I would. Go, know to, go to Costa Rica. Trust <laughs> me, they'll, they'll, they do more than talk back to you. I would love to go to Costa Rica. That's one place we haven't been in South America. And yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah Dustin, we- get on it. Tell them about space. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there is a fan base there, but I, yeah, yeah. there's, there's probably some yeah, other yeah. reason the, that hasn't happened the yet. down there? Have they oh figured it God. out? Oh my God. Have they figured it out in, in South America? They're on 60. They're on 60. They're already reading our minds. They're all of a sudden going to be in a whole new, you know, like, we're we like this new band, Sepultura. <laughs> oh, like a- I hope you guys get to, to go there at some point in the next like couple decades, considering everything that's going on. Yeah. yeah. No, it would be really interesting. So With erosion, I'm sure at some Corey, point. you're talking about the erosion, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're um. So we're coming up in the last segment here. You know, we got we got about five minutes left. C- Corey's married to a Brazilian, by the way, so that you guys yes. get yep. some reference. Yeah, we were going to go to Brazil this year and couldn't. Uh, uh, you know, you know, shame. one of the coolest things about the fact that he's married to a Brazilian is that she actually, mm-hmm. this is a true story, used to have a collection of Brazilian wandering spy, spiders, the, uh, the, the, the yellow orb spider. It wasn't a collection. She studied them. She, yes. Uh, she had a collection a, of these a, things. She's a biologist. So, okay, yeah. Ben likes to spin things sometimes. <laughs> well, yes, just like the spider likes to spin webs. Yes. But, like, she used to have a collection of these things. And I'm like, man, and, like, I, I see a spider and I run screaming. And then so Domi, Domi, yeah, and Domi is like, Oh, it's so beautiful. Look at its thorax. And look, oh, it's a it's a wolf spider. 
I aspire to that level of calm around insects. Maybe that's what I need to do, just be a biologist. There you go. And, 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 then, and then she found out, and I found this out too, by Googling it, trying to be smart. Do you know that it, what happens to you if you get bit by uh, a Brazilian wandering spider, Siobhan? No, I don't know. You get something called, per, I think it's called parapasia, which is basically when, not for you, but for <laughs> us, when your dick gets hard and then doesn't go down. So they're actually- So maybe this was strategic. Yes, yeah, so, so I actually, so actually they're trying, it turns out that Domi's hard work is going towards impotence. So I want to say thank you for, for fighting that hard fight. You know what I mean? And I mean hard fight. Yes. I'm sure she'll love to listen to this episode. You know, Devon's a biologist, not a biologist. Uh, thank you. <laughs> She's a biologist. <laughs> you know, we need to coin that term because I, I missed the boat on Biolympics, so I'm going to say I'm a biologist from there you now go. on. We'll get business cards, Lost Symphony business cards. Oh, man. LostSymphony.com, chapter one, chapter one, LostSymphony.com, chapter one, chapter two, coming soon, LostSymphony.com. <laughs> hold on so can we end up with, I'm, I'm gonna end with something positive um adam okay. we, one of the things that i it's it's similar to siobhan's question so i don't want to take full credit for it because really it's her idea just permutated to my idea when did you decide or realize that being a drummer was your superpower so like i mean like you know you said you went on this tour you got in front of a bunch of people you're playing with owls and chains but like was there a moment where you're like oh my god like they actually got me name brand you know like fucking Oreos backstage. Like I've made it. <laughs> I would say, um, I, once I literally, once I got drumsticks in my hands and I was young, I never stopped playing. So since I was four, but star set really allows me to dive into this concept of being, you know, well, not even just star set when you're traveling the world, you can literally be anyone you want to. And that's kind of scary because I don't want to all of a sudden come back home. Someone I'm not trying to, act like someone I'm not all over the world because you're not going to have friends. You're not going to actually be a lasting personality because people won't know how to trust you. So when, when we're out on stage, we can kind of become this whole new superhuman space. You're literally getting lost in this Broadway rock show. But without that element, I mean, I love spinning my sticks and I love being flashy, whatever, but I grew up learning the fundamentals of music. Like I started this whole conversation off learning to show up 20 minutes early. If you're there five minutes early, you're late. Uh, you're still early, but you're late. And that was a weird concept for me to so start. What, what did that fundament, uh, fundamental belief stop for you showing up on time? It, it never has. It until definitely didn't because he was the first person to log in. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> uh, but anyways, first, just, we can just dive into a whole new mindset and we can be, literally lose ourselves even more into our passions. And then for me, you know, throwing drumsticks is just a way to, to hopefully let people see that if you just focus on something, I'm not the best drummer. I'm never going to be the greatest drummer, but in my world, I can at least try to do those things and be the next level for myself tomorrow. Cause if I play an amazing show on show one, I don't get extra money if I did better on show two and or less money on show three. So it's all, it all comes down to your drive and your soul. And, and I just like making friends all over the world. And I really, I miss everyone right now. Cause we're not on tour. I have people text me left and right. So sad. You'd be here today. I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't well, even get the schedule because if, if it makes you feel better, when I went and saw you, I thought the backing tracks that sounded like drums sounded amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. That would have been Siobhan on a drum pad that's probably or probably not plugged is in. That why I don't have a, <laughs> is that why I don't have a gig in your band? Is that just her way of sticking it to me? Because I've been telling her for months that I can DJ and play piano and then you need a DJ, bro. I've been saying, listen to this. I've been saying to her, I can DJ, I can play piano, like, let me do both. And then next thing I know, I see, like, some picture of her with the steampunk glasses on, all, like, suave looking, with her hair blowing in the wind. Playing. I'm like, you don't even need me anymore. You don't even need me because I serve two purposes. Because being a DJ, you have to be, like, a DJ and then, like, a tambourine player. And I'm a classically trained pianist. But you let Dustin know. Like, I'm letting you know on the – Justin, I'm letting you know, you can take me as your DJ. <laughs> I can play any song I don't know if I trust, Benny I don't know if is ready and available. I'm ready and available. <laughs> BennyGoodman.com. On that note, I don't think I don't think that's your website, by the way. No, it's uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Adam, thank you, man. This has been a blast. This is fun. Yeah. Can't wait you to yeah. You can talk to us again, man. Like, we totally, like, duped you into doing this. But, like, I, I got to say, man, first off, uh, seeing you live and then getting to hang out with you after the show, because Siobhan introduced us. Like I was a little, I was a little starstruck by the star set people. I was, I was a little verklempt. And I gotta tell you, man, it's so nice when you you see people who are so talented as you guys are, 
but you're so down to earth. And you talk about, um, you know, focusing on being a good musician, focusing on your rudiments, paying attention, reading books. And like so many times, like, listen, it's not that I have a problem with Tommy Lee, but I don't like glorifying that you got awesome by just doing drugs and fucking chicks. I like the fact that you were guys were geeks. We were geeks. Corey and I were geeks. We still are geeks that like try very hard and hone our craft. And you're a perfect example of someone that has honed his craft. And now you're in a badass band traveling around the world saying, what was it for the seventh time in a row going to China and Japan? Congratulations, dude. You are an inspiration to musicians everywhere. And you know, we, we, we try to downplay it for Siobhan, but like we're, we're your biggest fans. And by your, I mean like Aww. the rest, rest of the band. Siobhan, <laughs> we love you too, but like, you know, we have to reserve a little yeah, bit of malice in our hearts. Uh, we're all tangible, and I hope that the more we, as normal people, can travel around hanging out with other normal people, eventually we just want to make people realize that everyone's always welcome, especially, you know, you said down to earth. Is that a pun on because we're a space band? But when we're <laughs> playing shows in space, you know, we want to do things first and radical and, and think outside the box. But really, I would say- Make them ask questions. That's the first thing you said to me was make them ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. If you can't go out and challenge yourself, like, of course, we want to play in space, but what the heck? We have no idea how to go to space. So there's so much that people think is just happening in front of you. Like Justin Bieber is just famous now, or Stars that just has seven years behind us and a billion point two views. No, like we've we've slept in every Walmart and every Planet Fitness. We've struggled. We've been awesomely happy. We've been crying. Deaths in families. Dogs are getting old. My dog Cooper's 14 and a half now, and he was seven when I went on tour. What the heck, you know? Yeah. So, it puts you in a, a really harsh reality that I think I wish more people could deal with because then you wouldn't be so overklept, whatever word you keep saying. Like you wouldn't be so like <laughs> annoyed at things that shouldn't annoy you because you just can't get out of your own routine. And I just yeah. want to inspire people to keep challenging themselves because the more you do, the more friends Amen. you got, the more places you can go, the more you can simply just be a person and let people be people. Awesome, and that Thank you. said, well go to drumabuse.com. Thank you, Adam. Please come Thank back you. again. Thank You've been 2020. We'll leave on this high note today because okay. I don't know about you, but I like staying high. <laughs> See you next week. iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.